Hey there, welcome to Beyond the Bikini podcast, where you can enhance your body and your mind. My name is Nicole Ferrier, exercise science grad, certified personal trainer, bikini competitor, and coach. On this podcast, you will learn more about my experience in the fitness industry, competing in bikini competitions, mental health, and how to gain more success in your own life in your fitness journey. So sit back, relax, or power through this cardio session and enjoy. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Beyond the Bikini Radio. I'm excited for today's guest. Her name is Lauren Conlin. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. I think this might be our third episode together. I've had yeah. you on a handful of times before. I was like, I can't remember who's the second or the third, but yeah, it's always great to be back. I love podcasting, and this is a really great topic that is very uh, near and dear to me and what we do, so I'm all about it. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, Lauren, if everyone you know hasn't heard those other episodes, can you take a chance to um, introduce yourself to our audience today? Yes. Yeah, so my name is Lauren Conlon. I'm the owner of Team Loco Fit. We are an online uh, nutrition coaching business. We focus primarily, I would say, on combining mindset with nutrition. Um, and that works for uh, physique competitors, uh, lifestyle clients, performance athletes, etc. Um, and we actually, I don't know when this is airing, but on October 31st on Halloween, we are launching our app that I've been working on for almost the entire year. So super excited about that. We'll finally have something coming out with that. Um, so basically coach is my main coach and educator, my main two things. Um, we also host a podcast, the local fit show. Uh, I travel, speak, work with a few different companies. I, I'm always so bad at intros. I'm like, I do no, you're fine. Things. You're like, I do all the things. <laughs> I do a lot of things. And honestly, I know that um you know today people like always like to niche down it's like I would say that I have a niche as far as like coach and educator but I love working with different types of clients different types of people and just doing a lot of different things it just works works for me so (laughs) yeah definitely um and you're also an IFBB bikini pro I know that that's not a part of your title but you have been through the ringer in terms of competitions and I'm sure that you've seen um just how hard it can be to be in that industry and trying to find balance after. And that's one thing Lauren and I want to talk about is like, how do we even find balance post-show or even after a diet? Oh yeah. And there's, there's so much nuance here. And I've been, I would say, slightly obsessed with this question, you know, for quite some time. Uh, my grad school research focused primarily on different types of diets and how that affected weight loss and weight regain. And I've always just been so interested with this. Like there's all this information about diets and weight loss and, you know, fat loss and and understandable, right? It's a really important question, but like, what are we talking about afterwards? And especially when we're talking about the physique community, what happens after is often just left to like, Oh, your coach may or may not email you back. Um, Oh, well, you know, it's off season now. So just kind of go back to doing what you want to do. And then in two months, the, the, the client is in a horrible place physically and mentally, and they don't know what to do, um, and they feel pretty awful. And what unfortunately happens for a lot of people is they try to cling to what they were doing before, and then that's what starts this cycle of either perpetual competing or perpetual dieting um, that we see that's so common uh, with competitors. It's just magnified times 10. 
Yeah. I think it's so important that when you're hiring a coach, that one of the first conversations you two have is an exit strategy and also what's important to you. Um, one thing that's always important to me as an athlete is to get to the point where I can have untracked days, if not even multiple days, because that fits what I want in my lifestyle. And I know for me mentally, that would be the best route to go. Um, some people might desire more structure, which I know that we'll also talk about like being a little bit too obsessed with tracking all the time. Um, but it's very important to have that conversation post-show because if you don't, then you can end up feeling really lost and then get stuck in the whole, like, well, I don't know what to do, but I know I'm good at competing. So I'm just going to go do that again. It's such a vulnerable time just in general. Right. And just physiologically, you're in a really tough spot. You know, your body is like, Hey, <laughs> we need some calories. We need some body fat. It is screaming at you to do anything to give it food and your body is primed to store body fat. Um, so that of course doesn't really feel too great right away. And then couple that if you are in a negative headspace with food and what your next plans are, um, it's just really, really tough. And that's why we see, you know, a lot of like, this is why our coaching strategies have geared towards this because it's just so unfortunate. And then what happens is people who, you know, maybe want to compete or continue a competitive career, but this ends up consuming them. And then they get to a space where they're like, I can't even do this anymore because I feel so awful all the time. And mm -hmm. it's like, that's heartbreaking, you know, because if somebody really wants to compete, I want them to, but we want to do it in the best way possible. Yeah. What are some ways that you would say you can go about competing in a healthier manner versus like some of the destructive methods you might see? Yeah. And I'll, I'll be the first to say competing is hard. No matter who you work with, no matter how you slice it, like getting lean enough for stage is a grind. It's hard. You're going to be very low body fat. You're going to have to do cardio and eat low food. Like there's just no real two ways around it. Right. Um, but afterwards, right. Well, I would say before even afterwards beforehand we really want to make sure that people are in a good position before they even start prep right um we don't want prep to be looked at as like a diet right this is not that's not the time for this like we need to have every single thing dialed in in terms of consistency and structure and routines and habits and mindset like all of that needs to be locked and loaded before we even start prep if that's not there afterwards is going to be even harder um so i would say that first before we even think about the after we have to think about before and so the conversation really is dominated by prep, but it really needs to be like, what are we doing before prep? And what are we doing after prep? Um, so before getting that consistency, getting really everything dialed in 100%, then executing prep, which again, no matter how you slice it, no matter who you work with, it's going to be hard. You're going to feel pretty low energy, pretty tired, pretty hungry. Um, but then afterwards, I would say having a good game plan in terms of like, all right, what are we going, are we, you know, are we competing again next year? Are you taking three years off? Are you never competing ever again? That's going to change, you know, what we're doing in terms of like the plan afterwards. Um, but I would say that for most people, if they're like, hey, like, I like this. I know I need to make some improvements, but I, you know, so I do want to compete again. Um, you know, what does that look like? So I'd say that's, that's most clients, right? Um, creating some flexibility right out of the gate. I would say that this is the most important thing that I've added that seems really counterintuitive because it's like, wait, why would you add in untracked stuff when people might be wanting to binge? But the, the chances of somebody overeating are already pretty high. But if we set it up in a way that we say, hey, part of your plan is going to be to have this added flexibility. So it's no longer this like guilted or shamed thing that they either can't talk to you about or that they don't follow through with, but then they 
you know, overcompensate in other ways. So immediately we want to bump calories up. We also want to add in flexibility. Like I will add in an untracked meal pretty much almost right away. Mm-hmm. And that the untracked meal is going to look very different for every client, right? For some people it might be at home, some people it might be out, but think about after a show, right? Everybody's like, Hey, like you're done. Like, you know what I mean? Like we've been wanting to try this spot. Like, let's go here. Let's do that. And then like, that's where, you know, at some point, no matter how strong your willpower is, I don't care who you are. You're like, man, I really, I would really like to go to dinner with my friends or like, Hey, I'd really like to go have like drinks with my girls or like have a date night with my spouse. Like people want to do that. And then if you say like, Nope, add 10 carbs this week. They're like, what, what? Like, I don't mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's really hard to keep that same motivation and consistency and adherence um, that you had during a prep, understandably. So if right out of the gate, we're like, Hey, going to add a large chunk of food so you're actually like feel like you have a little bit more food in you and then we're going to have like hey you want to have a meal we're going to here's the plan before that that day and then okay when you go out let's make these choices and nine times out of ten people do so much better with that um honestly almost ten times out of ten like I haven't had one client who's been like oh that was it doesn't mean that it's easy it's not an easy transition but post-show isn't an easy transition but adding that has only really added to people's experience Mm mm-hmm Yeah. I think it seems interesting for people to hear like, well, why would you work with a coach? Like if you're having like times where you're not tracking as closely and it's like, well, there's still structure involved. Um, just because you're having an untracked meal doesn't mean you're just downing a BJ's Pazuki. No, which, Hey, that could be part of your plan, but yeah, when people like, I'm stuttering over that question. So I'm like, who would, who would say that? But I guess, there's different ways to coach, right? And some people are only numbers-based coaches. Um, and then other people are actually asking you about you and like, what are some of your barriers this week? And like working through strategies on how to adjust things. If, if I was just looking at a spreadsheet with numbers, I wouldn't really know anything about my clients. Mm-hmm. Like the numbers are a part of it, certainly. Um, but if I'm only looking at the client as a number, we're not really gonna make a lot of progress um, because at some point they're either gonna one, just feel like a number um, or two, they might fall into these patterns that maybe we could have worked through, but I don't know that because if I'm not asking those questions, how would I be able to work through that with someone? Um, so yeah, that's that's a crazy even thought to think. And also, yeah. so say you are having two untracked meals a week, right? Like, but you have four meals a day, four to five meals a day, <laughs> like time seven days minus two, like that's still like so many other things, you know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. when people hear untracked, they think, oh, well, we're going to go to BJ. So I'm going to have an appetizer, four drinks, dinner, Pazuki. And then, you know what? I feel so shitty. So tomorrow I'm not going to train. I'm going to keep eating. That's where the issue is. It's not that you went and had a dinner, like you had a nice meal, a glass of wine, and you split a Pazuki. And then the next day you went about your life. That's that's a totally different scenario. Yeah. I think as a competitor, it can be difficult because like satiety signals just aren't necessarily there. So Mm. one thing I remind my athletes, yeah, it's like you aren't (laughs) going to have traditional satiety. So when you are looking at your plate, go off of what you know is an appropriate Mm -hmm. portion size. And although you might not be feeling full, you have to remind yourself that I won't feel like this forever. That is such a hard, it's the first, the few weeks leading into the show, like the last few weeks of prep and the, those first few weeks after are so hard. And I was just talking to a client about this, um, who she was kind of having one of those, one of those days. Right. I was like, listen, like this is when every, like every minute feels like it's eternity. You know what I mean? It feels like everything right now is weighing on this exact moment and you're never going to get out of it. Um, I was like, but in an hour, this feeling will pass. 
So you have to just, you know, busy yourself a little bit, change your environment, go do something. Um, and then I talked to her the next day. I was like, Hey, how are you feeling? She's like, Oh, back to normal. Mm-hmm. It, so, but in those moments, you know, it literally feels like life or death. You know what I mean? And it sounds so dramatic, um, but that's what it feels like. Like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be, I'm always going to be hungry. I'm never going to be satiated. I'm never going to sleep again. Like it, like when you're in those periods, it's really, really hard. Um, so yeah, so it definitely needs to be obviously more of a conversation around, you know, hey, like what should the portion sizes be looking like? But again, that goes back to the what are we doing before prep? So if somebody before prep has a really good handle on their untracked meals, which is going to be our goal, then it's a lot easier to add that. I wouldn't just add that if somebody had never done that, that would be a little bit harder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, might say, hey, like, let's go out to eat, but let's, you know, try this, this, and this. If somebody's already previously done untracked meals, it's going to be a much easier transition. So again, that speaks to like, let's really focus on the before so that we can also have a successful after transition. Um, and that is, that, that's, that takes a long time. You know, when people want to sign up for, co- hey, I want to do a prep in 12 weeks. You're like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm not the coach for you. First of all, 12 weeks is probably not long enough for your prep, number one. Not number anymore, two, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's be honest, unless you are just some, I mean, I do know people who could step on stage in 12 weeks, certainly, but it's not the majority. Um, and I don't, I don't know you. I don't know your body. We haven't coached before. I don't know what's going to like, we need to work on all these other things beforehand. So I always tell people like, listen, if you want to do a show, reverse engineer about a year, give or take, right? Like we have several months beforehand. We have a longer than you probably think prep. Then we do a few shows. And then, you know, then the next phase is what are we doing now? I'll have to edit around that. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about too, is you mentioned like some people just might not be ready for that flexibility post-show. And I think a lot of competitors are obsessed with being perfect and they don't know what that gray area is like that black and white mindset. And they're like, what's gray? Like what is considered balance? I'm, I'm nervous. Mm-hmm. Oh, certainly. And this is where I, when I started to add this into clients, I was very much like, I feel like I found the answer. You know what I mean? Like everybody does. Like, I feel like I got it. And I was so like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. And then, you know, some people aren't ready for that. Right. And I pushed some people too far. I was just going to say like, I messed up in that area and was like, nope, this is how we're doing it. You can't do it. Like, and I was, I was being inflexible because I was I could see where this could get us in the long term, but like in the short term, this is not like I was all the way to the left and they are all the way to the right. So mm-hmm. coming to that kind of middle ground to say, all right, hey, you know, in my experience, like these are some of the things that you're going to be experiencing and feeling, et cetera, et cetera. Here's like, let's take one step closer to each other. You know, like I have, this is where I want you to end up. And this is where I know that ultimately you want to end up too, because you, most people have expressed it. They don't know how to get there. They're like, I know that I want to feel like this in some way. I don't really know how to get there. So, okay, I'm over here. I know what you want to do. Let's take one step towards that. And that might be really slow. And that was one of the mistakes early on, and not even early on, but just as a coach in general, a lot of times we will try to put things on our timeline and that might not match up with the client. Now, this doesn't mean that you get to just like, you don't get to push your clients. You know, you do have to push people at some point. Um, but you also do have to understand like meeting them where they're at. So, hey, if we can take one step towards flexibility this week. That will be great. And that might not mean a fully untracked meal. You know what I mean? But that might be, hey, let's go out to a restaurant and you're going to track it. But like, let's, I want you to go out yeah. with somebody. You know what I mean? Or, hey, I want you to, you know, make your favorite meal at home that you know is pretty calorie dense, but just, just estimate it, right? Like it doesn't have to be like, 
the whole free for all, like, hey, just go have the whole weekend on track, like figure it out. Like, yeah, <laughs> obviously both of us can do that. You know what I mean? But that's that's something that's taken a long time and we're very removed from that. So it's not like something that you can do. Like I wouldn't have been able to do that after my last show very easily. Uh -huh. um, I mean, I had an easier time because I had already been in a better position, you know, but it's, it's all relative. So I would say that taking one step, if somebody is very scared of that, they, ha they have expressed they want to do that. Okay, hey, here's the end goal, that this is what we're working towards. Can we take one step towards that this week? Mm -hmm. Small, small step. Okay, let's see how that goes. Where did you struggle? What was hard about this? What felt great about this? Okay, let's adjust again for the next week. And then you look up in six weeks and you're like, whoa, cool. Like I've added food, I'm feeling better, training's going good. And I've added a few tiny steps of flexibility. And that's what we can be excited about. Um, it's not about saying like, hey, if somebody can't do this, they're doing it wrong. It's more about like, let's take this gradual approach. And like I said, I certainly made those mistakes um, as a coach. And I think that a lot of people have um, just in different ways, you know what I mean? But um, you have to really take that small step and really meet that client with where they're willing to go and push them be you know you got to push um because if you don't push then the client's going to be like okay i'll just stay here like that's not a, you know mm -hmm. we, we do have to take a step forward but it only has to be a step it doesn't have to be 15. yeah i think it's important to recognize that like lauren and i have probably fallen on our face a handful of times like post-show like trying to practice moderation with food and it's like you can feel out of control sometimes but we're trying oh, to man. provide you with that structure to still feel secure and have that organization but we still recognize like you're a human being, like you're going to have social events, you're going to have moments where you don't want to use your food scale. And we want to be able to walk you into that transition, which you can't go from extreme competition lean with all the hormonal issues to I'm going to be balanced. Like that's no, it doesn't really exist. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, some people, I certainly have worked with people who get there faster than others. Right. Um, and I've had some clients who seemingly have relatively low food issues right or any issues at all after the prep and then some people who really struggle for a year after so part of that is obviously where somebody's headspace is before they enter prep for some people they just get hit harder with prep adaptations and then of course you know combining all those things together and then also where somebody is in their life at that point you know there's sometimes that like life happens and certain circumstances make it a lot harder for us um, to regulate our emotions around food and otherwise so mm -hmm. sometimes it can be like that perfect storm of everything for someone where it's like in a good way like oh everything lined up and transition was easy good to go other times it's the perfect storm of all the bad things together and then it's like all right we really got to be slow and diligent with this mm -hmm. um but as long as we're taking a step forward um then then that's what matters and that's what the coaching process is and that's where you get that's where it's like it's not just about numbers you know what yeah. I mean? like that's coaching isn't just numbers like numbers are great numbers and programs are great but if you're hiring a coach it should be a relationship mm -hmm. exactly yeah it's um a big support system and like even for me like I'm at a weird point right now even with filling out my log and as a coach like I like want to punch myself because I'm like it's not that difficult Nicole but I'm like I've been working with my coach consistently for years and years. I'm like, I just need a break, but we're still going to communicate. We're still going to have some sort of accountability. And I see the value in our relationship and even having that mm -hmm. support. But mm -hmm. it's just like kind of funny how um, what is required even at a weekly check-in can be different. I've even had other clients who get overwhelmed by their like information that they have to input. And I'm like, okay, send me a quick voice memo. Give me a recap of the week and yeah. we might change it a little bit. Exactly. And that's, again, that's where coaching. And if you 
are able to actually communicate with people, um, you're able to avoid those things because sometimes the client might be like, oh, hey, I didn't have time to fill anything out. So I did nothing for three weeks. You know what I mean? You're like, no, 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 we can adjust that. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, mm -hmm. again, here's optimal. We have all this information because then we're actually able to understand it. But sometimes suboptimal is okay. Sometimes a real quick check-in on the sheet or, hey, like you said, like a, a voice memo or a, um, a short email. Hey, here's a little recap. Perfect. Let's move forward now. Yeah. Obviously, if you're in the midst of prep or you're yeah. working <laughs> through something really challenging, there are certain things like you can't I was like can't have your cake and eat it too like you can't be doing all of these things and you know we have to be realistic in that sense but for your space right now like that's totally fine yeah and I I feel like that's a goal that a lot of people should be striving towards like ideally maybe one day you should leave the coach um <laughs> you know and you've grown and you've learned a lot and you can go on your own but that's not going to be like in the mix of a super specific goal um, it should be once you've acquired the tools that we're talking about here of like incorporating mm -hmm. that flexibility and understanding portion sizes, understanding your satiety and getting more in tune mm -hmm. altogether. Like that takes time. Um, another thing I want to talk about is like food variety and just like how important it is for competitors to mm -hmm. add in more foods versus only stick to their staples. Because I've noticed a lot of people who can get wrapped up in the same, like, 10, 15 foods, and then they're fearful of adding in maybe those more carbohydrate-based foods or fat-based foods. Yeah, that's a tough one because as prep progresses, we do want to make things easier on ourselves, right? So at some point in a prep, you're going to lower the food variety simply because, well, one, here's the diet composition that I'm eating. Okay, I have limited choices because I have limited calories. And within those limited calories, here are the foods that I kind of like that fit these calories, right? So it is an understandable like progression of limiting the food choices. And it's also like less thinking, right? Hey, I wake up, I go to the grocery store, I make all this, like I, I don't have to cognitively process this because you already have such limited resources. But it is super important for as long as you can beforehand and then especially after to, to make a conscious effort to add in variety. And this isn't to say like, oh my gosh, you have to eat totally different foods, but it's like, hey, if you got like green beans last week, like maybe get broccoli this week, right? But like, I know that sounds so silly, mm -hmm. um, but like it, like literally it's, it's that simple as far as like, all right, I'm going to eat around this many carbs for these veggies or whatever it is, but let me add in this variety. And then afterwards, I think to your point, people get really, they get really used to eating, eating certain types of foods that when you were to like, say you're like, Hey, well, just why don't you have some rice? And it's like, Oh, I won't be full. It's like, well, mm -hmm we're eating 200 carbs, like you should, and you've added, you know, good amount of body fat. Like, are you hungry? Or are you still scared that you're going to be not satiated? You know what I mean? So there is that difference. Right. And I think a lot of times, and I think I've, I can I've experienced this with myself and with clients, very little things can change like dietary wise, but it's like, like a week into a diet. Oh my God, I'm so tired. I'm so hungry. I know it's because we cut calories. Like my training was awful. And it's like, really? Because we cut this many, you know, like the first week, <laughs> I'm not talking like six months into a diet. I'm talking like we just started. <laughs> and it's like, obviously there's a mental component here, right? Um, we can make ourselves feel like much better and much worse simply based on our thoughts and like food, um, like how we feel around food. So I would say that in, I know this is like a really roundabout answer. I'm like, wait, where did I go? What <laughs> path did I take to answer this? Um, in terms of adding in food and making sure you're having variety, 
keeping enough variety, I think would be the first and foremost thing to do. But then also, if you have gotten to a place, again, understandable, you've limited your choices just to make it easier for prep. But afterwards, as you are adding in calories, make sure that you are challenging yourself to say, all right, do I need to be eating this? Do I have to only be having like these huge, like voluminous type meals? Or can I have something that's a little bit more dense? And like, let me just try it. Um, and let's see how I feel. And maybe you don't feel great. Okay. Maybe now we do half and half. Maybe we only do like a little bit of rice. And we still do a salad. Right. And then we eventually, and there's nothing wrong with salad. I'm clearly, I eat salad like almost every day. <laughs> um, but the idea of less I have to eat. Yeah. Oh, I have to eat this because I need my stomach to feel distended because I was so hungry for so many months. And anybody who has, who's listening who hasn't competed is going to be like, scrolls are crazy, but that's literally how it feels. It's like, I want to feel distended. So I feel something. <laughs> because I'm so hungry very so emo <laughs> so of course I had to be so emo there's nothing inside so I need to be bloated <laughs> so literally like sometimes you're just like oh my gosh like when you're eating like 60 carbs like you're like well feel pretty dead inside <laughs> you know, like, not really a lot here um but then of course like as you start adding that's when it's like all right let's make this conscious effort to add in you know different food sources and it is scary. And that's where I would say the same thing as we talked about the flexibility. One step at a time. One food, reintroduce one thing this week. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe hold, maybe hold for a few weeks. You know what I mean? But you do have to continuously push yourself. Um, but it doesn't have to be all at once. It doesn't have to say, oh, I went from, you know, salads and cauliflower rice to just, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to have, you know, Pop-Tarts and Jasmine rice. Like, no, that would be a horrible idea. You'd be starving and you will binge. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's no way around it. You know what I mean? Like you will probably overeat if that's what you choose to fill all of your new macros with. That's, that's yeah. not a good plan, but Hey, maybe I add this in every once in a while. And for some people, there's just going to be certain foods that are just always going to be pretty tough at certain times, you know, like now, like I, I know nut butter is like a real controversial one with everybody, right? Like when when you're lean, it's just like, again, it's like this thing that's like, oh, it's magical, like nut butter, you know, because it's like yeah. salty and satiating and a little bit sweet. Like, it's just like the perfect food, um, but it can go real sideways. And I don't know if anybody's found themselves too deep in a peanut butter jar. I certainly have. And so there's certain foods that it's like, you know what, I'm going to make this easier on myself at some point in a prep. And I'm just not even going to entertain that I'm going to eat this, right? Because you always have great intentions. Oh, well, at eight grams, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's 8 p.m. I'm starving and eight grams isn't doing anything. So probably not the best idea. Um, now I've had, I've had the same jar of peanut butter in my <laughs> fridge for like months. You know what I mean? Like I have it because I enjoy it. Like, hey, I'll make like a piece of Ezekiel toast with jelly and um, peanut butter and it's like a little snack, but I have like a smear of it. I'm not like over the counter, like eating it. Whereas I might've done that before, you know, and again, people will be like, this is crazy. But it's anybody, if you know, you know, the, the peanut butter jar is just, I don't know. So no, I'm guilty of, the- of it. I used to have like a peanut butter basket, like different flavors. <laughs> yeah. Different flavors, different companies. And I like, I was like, why did I do that to myself? Cause that thing used to screw me up all the time. Yeah. And, and part of it is, okay, we want to talk about flexibility, but you also have to talk about being realistic with your environment. Like, is this going to make it so much harder on yourself? If you're a week after a show, having like boatloads of treats at your house, Mm-mm. isn't the best idea. I never understood that. I've never been like a food hoarder. Like, it's just not my thing. Um, I 
I don't know, just, I just never did it, but I know people who do. And I understand part of it is just kind of like the fun of like, oh, this thing, and you know, we're gonna bring it back to all this stuff. Okay, I guess I get it, right? If this is part of your experience, I'm not gonna judge it, but this at home is probably gonna set you up for failure. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, you're not in a position most people, even just in general, take competition prep away. Most people aren't in a position to regulate themselves, you know what I mean, with like a whole pantry of like junk food, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, we also, we're talking about flexibility, but it's also about like, let's be realistic with our environment and setting ourselves up for success. Um, you want to go have a cookie? Like we were talking about crumble cookies or like, go, go and get one, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to have eight at the house or like a box of 12, like just, just go get one. I you know what I mean? I need to have all the flavors. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, again, I get it, right? Um, but I can say that even as someone who's, when I was in it, like, I could understand that. And you just, you know, you start to, like, look at the food. And stuff. But it's like, even then, I just I was like, oh, this is gross. Like, I'm just, this doesn't make me feel good at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just, like, looking at the stuff. And, you know, it, it just, it creates a lot of obsessions. It's difficult to moderate those highly processed, highly indulgent based foods when again, body fat super low and your relationship with food already needs some work. And anyone post-competition, I don't care who you are, you need some work of your relationship with food. You probably picked <laughs> up some weird habits, some weird combinations, abnormal <laughs> behaviors with like plates and silverware and so be it like that needs to be addressed first. And like, once you can check those boxes and you're incorporating more of a variety and your body fat starting to get to a better spot, then you can bring some of that stuff back home. But until then you should go out if you want to have a treat and you should also be in the presence of someone else. I think that that really helps moderate some overeating versus like just sitting in your car alone, eating your crumble cookies. Dude, I can't tell you how many times I like would buy something and like eat it on the drive home and be like I don't even feel like I ate it yeah you know what I mean but you, that- you felt physically shitty so you knew you did but like you didn't really enjoy it and then yeah it was like this weird you know secret of eating and again that's that's part of all of this that's part of these compulsions um that are created and these obsessions that are created after a show um and a lot of this is driven by the low body fat and we kind of start to do weird things when we get to that place not everybody experiences this, right? Some people are like, nope, I get pretty lean. Don't really feel like that. I would say that the people that I've worked with who are in that space um, generally have a lower body fat settling point. So just in general, they kind of maintain a little bit leaner. So them getting on stage is still lean, but it's not like as drastic, right? So I would say mm-hmm. that that's number one. And then number two, somebody who has really, who has either done this a lot or has worked on their relationship with food and is really fortified there. Um, I think the people who, really struggle or when they have lost a lot um, or are pretty far from that settling point and then also combined with maybe people who don't have this understanding which is why we try to share this stuff this is not a it's not like a doomsday podcast it's not like let's talk shit about it like it's just like hey here's I want people to feel like they understand what they're getting into and um, I think that the industry hopefully is moving in that direction so that people have a better understanding um but it's you know it happens to the best of us and people who've had food issues before it it potentially can unsurface and yeah. I've worked with a lot of people who like hey I want to compete again and then it's like you know what I, I'm not sure if I'm like that's honestly like that's kind of where I'm at you know I mean outside of the just like my life is a lot different right now with 
my mindset and responsibilities. But even if I wanted to compete again, like for the first time in like my whole life, like I can actually maintain a physique that I like really like. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that and and that would change. <laughs> like there's no way around it. Like my body fat right now is is nowhere near acceptable for stage obviously right mm -hmm. so it would be it would require me pushing like for me to get lean enough I have to get very very lean and create a lot of these adaptations and a lot of these mental changes and if somebody who's had a mean disorder since I was eight years old it's nice to be like oh I can just mm -hmm. eat and moderate myself and that's why I'm so passionate about all of this um because yeah it is it is like once you experience that you're like oh this is pretty rad but part of me does want to compete again just so I can be like all right is it different? You know what I mean? Like now that I've actually lived, like, I'm just curious, you know, roll the dice. The... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'd have to start, honestly, I'd have to start training a lot more because I, I'll definitely, that's where I like, I'm like, oh, I got to work. You know what I mean? Well, it's <laughs> and... important to weigh out like the, the pros and cons too. Cause I think a lot of competitors, they can get very tunnel vision into just the pros and then they neglect the cons. And it's like, I had a similar conversation this past weekend when we were going out to dinners with my husband, I was like, you know, it's really nice to just like be so relaxed and go out to eat and know that my weight isn't really going to go crazy. I've been steady for months and months and months now. I was like, do you know that there's not a single time in my adult life that I can think of that my weight's been the same for like an entire year? And he's like, no, that's yeah. really weird. I'm like, yeah, like this is a big struggle for a lot of people. <laughs> And it's so like when you're living it, you're like, okay, yeah, it's kind of whatever. But like when we put it in those terms, it's so wild to think that that's how far we've been able to come, which again is why we're both so passionate about this. And it is so important. Like I weigh myself now just to make sure I use that as a kind of regulator, like outside of the mirror, which some days I look at myself, to be honest, like I don't really look at myself a lot of days, <laughs> put my clothes on, keep moving, like just do. Um, but I'll use the scale, like, I'll come back from a trip and I'll be like, all right, like kind of just as like a check-in, like, am I eating enough? Did I overeat? Like, yeah. I'm just, I kind of will use it every once in a while as like a point to be like, all right, I know that within this range, I'm doing pretty good. If I get a little under this, ooh, starting to feel it. If I get over that, oh, I'm starting to feel it also. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's, it, but it never, never has it been like that. You know, I'll fluctuate just a little bit now um, outside of something pretty extreme. It's so crazy. Yeah. And everyone has like a set point, like, it's important to know, like, you shouldn't be fighting that as a competitor. Your goal should be to find this middle ground where your weight is pretty steady and it doesn't, it t still takes, you know, st structure and effort, you know, just because you're not oh, like you. tracking every single day that you don't care, but it shouldn't be this like, okay, I'm going to like, for me, for example, if I tried to be in the one twenties, I would lose my period and I'd lose my period. I wouldn't be healthy. I'd be low energy. And so like, if your biofeedback is really bad, you're not at your set point being at your set point gives you normal satiety signals. You feel good. You have good energy. Like you just feel healthy as cheesy as, as yeah. that sounds. So that should be the goal and don't fight that. You're not doing yourself any favors. No. And it took, you know, I would say that for myself and probably a lot of other people listening, I didn't know what my set point was because for growing up like I said I had an eating disorder and then I was kind of at a certain weight for a little while and then I started competing mm -hmm. and then I would either compete or then have an off season which woof, you know <laughs> so it was one of those things that it was like what is a settling point and after my last competition I was like I don't know what's going to happen but 
guess we'll just kind of find out. And, um, but now like to your point, what we're, the space that we're talking about doesn't mean, and just flexibility in general, doesn't mean that you're doing whatever you want, whenever you want. I am very consciously making choices about what I'm eating, what I'm not eating, not on an obsessive level, but on a health level. I know that in order to feel healthy and to maintain a quality body composition, I need about this much protein, which is going to work out to be about three meals a day, maybe a fourth something. Um, I know that I like to keep fats under a certain level. If I eat too many fats, my body doesn't respond too great. Okay. I know that having certain types of carbs, I feel better. All right. And then there's sometimes where I eat out more, other times where I eat out less. And if I'm going to do more, then I regulate the portions, right? So I still, we were talking about this before. I still meal prep. <laughs> Like, mm -hmm. I, like, it's not because I'm not tracking or that we're talking about flexibility. And this is where um, bodybuilding you know, competitors or coaches will like, like eye roll, like, oh, flexibility. And it's like, so is the solution either Tupperware or binging? Because that's what seems to be the, the standard. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not acceptable either. You know what I mean? Like, so roll your eyes all you want at flexibility. I don't, I don't really care. Our clients and our, like us as individuals are thriving with this. And I would much rather somebody be able to use the skills that we've learned over all this time to be successful no matter what, you know what I mean? Like it, I don't, there's no badge of honor in my opinion that like you take either your food everywhere or you don't eat something. Or if you do, then you overeat everything because you're like, well, I'm off my plan. Like that is literally black and white thinking and dichotomous thinking like 2AT, like textbook. And that is what the bodybuilding industry has perpetuated for years and years and years. And it's not just the bodybuilding industry, but it's just, you know, the idea of this black and white mindset and like the more rigid, the better. But I would say if every time something comes up and you fall off plan, you gotta get a new plan. <laughs> like yeah. that's not the plan for you. Like literally either of us could eat anywhere all day, all week and, and still make it work. You know what I mean? Like I... Yeah. I think with compet competitors too, like, let's say you are taking the meal plan approach, like eventually you are going to need to be in the driver's seat and you mm -hmm. won't just be the passenger and you're going to have to learn how to drive the car. And mm -hmm. many people were never taught how to drive the car. And so they fail. And with taking more of an old school approach, not to say that I think meal plan approach is the worst thing in prep. I think that it can actually be a great thing, oh, yeah. um, but you have to still add in some flexibility, add in that variety, not be so strict all the time, but it's baby steps to get there. Um, because I, I hate to see so many people struggling with food and I'm sure you see many competitors where it's like they're blowing up every single off season or they're struggling with, um, going out to eat and you can tell that they are, they say they don't mind it, but you're like, you mind it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, that I think was one of the biggest eye openers and, um, you know, just being around people who, who actually act that way. And it's, it's, it's sad, honestly, it's, it's, it doesn't affect me, obviously, like I eat how I want to eat and you eat how you want to eat, but I can see the disconnect. You know what I mean? I can see the desire for something, one way to happen and then execute a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, and like how painful that is. And again, I've been there, you know what I mean? I understand what that's like. I know what all of that is like up and down every, every which way. And it's, it's awful. And you literally feel so trapped and so alone when you're in that. Um, and so if we can help people move past that in the best way possible, then I feel like 
doing something right. <laughs> yeah. And you can still be such a great athlete and still be a good competitor with this approach. Oh, yeah. It doesn't have to be, if I'm flexible, then I'm not serious. Or if I'm flexible, I can never be a pro. No, that's not the case. What you should be asking yourself is I don't want to burn out. How can I have longevity and what is going to be good for my mental and my physical health? Like those are the questions that you should be asking yourself, not how am I going to appear to the outside? Cause I think a lot of people, they do that super rigidness also for that validation and like their ego mm. of like, Oh, they're so serious. They're so hardcore versus like the other person where it's like me, where I'm like having a chocolate chip cookie in my full day of eating. And someone's like, Oh my gosh, that's not clean. It's like, I don't need your validation on like what I ate for today. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting nuances there that that's like a whole different thing. And then even just the perception of social media versus what's going on in real life. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of good things that come out of that in terms of being able to see more things, but there's still like, not everybody is still showing. You know, I, I've literally been places where people are like, posting on there like not doing any cardio da, 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 like whatever like this crap and then I'm like into the gym and they're like doing cardio and like, yeah no I've seen the same like, thing <laughs> what why like I literally don't get it you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I'm I'm one of those people like I get it like not every you don't have to show every low low of your life on social media like please don't okay. please please don't keep that you know to your close circle and, and all that work on that shit yourself Share some of the struggles, right? I think that that's important to share certain things and, and so other people can learn from it. Good. But don't just fucking lie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, I'm not doing this. But then you like, and also if you wanted to do that, like go be secretive somewhere else. Like people who follow you are here and I can see you. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to do that shit, do it in your garage, the door shut. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah. nobody's going to like, and I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, the reason I even brought that up was people don't maybe see that in real life. So they think that everything that they see is how it is. Right. Or even just competition pictures. Oh my God. I love how the person looks. I'm like, no, you don't. They're like, really? No, you don't. No, you don't. This person is peaked for an hour with a tan, the stage pictures and the angle makes them look bigger in person. They look like a wet noodle. Okay. That looked horrible two days ago. You know what I mean? It hurts to sit down. Like those tie-ins look real good on stage. You have no ass when you're walking around for most people, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. the, the people don't often see that. They just see that end thing. And um, that's just for so much thing, so many things, I guess, like in the kind of current world, um, which is which is weird, you know, because oh, that's a different tangent. It's just but, a unique sport, you know, like this isn't like track and field or gymnastics or swimming where like at the highest level olympic level no one's like you know what i'm, I'm gonna do that you know you, you shouldn't be doing that like <laughs> yeah. with the olympia no. <laughs> and you shouldn't be comparing your physique to someone on the olympia stage and thinking that's totally attainable like anyone at the highest level will tell you that my training is difficult i had to sacrifice so much i have mental trauma from you know getting to this point it's like, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. No. And you're right. Like, I think with, and this is not to be upsetting to anybody who's a bodybuilding competitor because I'm one as well. It's not a athletic sport in the sense of, like you said, like nobody would look at a gym, like a gymnast and be like, oh, I could probably do that in a three months. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, um, obviously that's probably never going to happen for me. Maybe I can like, 
I don't even know a record. Do a four like get on the bars. <laughs> yeah, do something, you know, fun, like taking a I don't even know if they have adult gymnastics. Anyway, <laughs> nobody would look at that and go, This is gonna be me. I'm seeing people do these backflips standing around. Okay. I know people who do all that shit. That's so rad. You guys are amazing. Not gonna happen. But then why does anybody look that like bodybuilding isn't a athletic endeavor? You know what I mean? Like you're not doing anything athletic, you're just standing there. So people think like, oh anybody human any human body can do that and it's like well not necessarily I mean technically anybody can do it you know what I mean but like how long have they been doing it like what are their genetics for this division like all of the like what is the time put into this like have they been an athlete their whole life right like somebody who hasn't been an athlete growing up their entire life is going to have a very different leg up than somebody who wasn't who just found weightlifting two years ago these are just indisputable facts so it's like there's so many things and like to your points nobody would ever say that about really any other sport besides bodybuilding for some reason but I think it's just because there's not like a athletic component to component to it to where people think oh well if I just train hard enough I can do this and it's like yeah you can mm-hmm. but you also can't compare you just started six months ago to the person to your point who just won the Olympia yeah it's just a little bit of a beauty component to it right and I think a lot of people can get in their head it just reminds me of like those like weird 40 year old men that will like pick apart gorgeous like Miss America's and the big she looks like crap and it's like oh my gosh you're like yep totally dude like because she's like you know one of the top people who was chosen here that looks looks terrible it's like if anybody goes to like a top level show like everybody that looks great right it's like some people like it's so confusing I was on a podcast uh, earlier this week and I was trying to, you know, we were talking about um, competing because there was this new course that just came out in ASM. Um, anyways, and we were talking about, it's like, well, actually, like, we've already been talking about this, but like, just define a bodybuilding show. And I was like, man, how do I, how do I do this? Like, how do I even describe like what this is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, imagine if somebody, like aliens came down and they're like, what's happening? <laughs> like, that would be a really challenging <laughs> show. Let me tell you what we had to do to get here. <laughs> And then this division wears heels, and then this division does it, and then this one wears these really tiny shorts, and then this one has sequins, like it's, it's all it's the just, crystals. Like it's such a small world too, when you think about it. Like you can get so consumed in this industry and think that this is everything, but when you can get to the point like where you and I are at, and we can see the world, and we can see that there's life outside of like the stage, it's like, oh my gosh, like I can see that that's so crazy you know and where I'm at is still a fantastic thing that I should be proud of like I'm healthy I'm strong I Mm -hmm. look good but I don't need to be extreme yeah I was just talking to one of my old clients last night and um she was like yeah like just you know we were talking about uh USA is in like 2016 or 17 I can't remember but um it was just like man like think like what is like literally how different life was for so many reasons like five years ago you know what I mean and just like where we both were and then she's like yeah like the weird shit that I used to do or like think mattered like how little that matters now you know what I mean and that's so many things right like there's you can look back on five years ago anything hopefully look back on five years and be like wow I really paid attention to this it doesn't really matter hey this sparked my interest and I learned a bunch of new things and I've evolved and I'm this that that whatever but um I think the whole point of what we're trying to share is that like listen like there are it is so easy to get really, really focused. And to be fair, at some point you do have to be tunnel vision. You know, if you want to be successful in anything, you have to have tunnel vision, but you also got to come out of that tunnel level as well. You know, like it's not a, it's not just forever because if you're only there forever, 
then that becomes real detriment when we're talking about bodybuilding right um that mm -hmm. can be really detrimental to a lot of things like your own health your physical health your mental health your relationships i mean it can really take its toll um so yeah and we're trying to prevent that for you guys i feel like this yes. was a good talk like this is probably like a lot of people feel these things they they know that they struggle with these things but they don't realize how common it is and they don't realize that like hey like i can come out of this and i can find a good balance point but it's going to take some work. It's going to take work. It's going to take a lot of fuck ups, to be honest. Like there is no easy way around it. Even if you have the best coach, best coach, best relationship, all this, it's still hard. It's still going to require a lot of effort. And there's still going to be days where you struggle. No one is immune to that. Mm -hmm. um, just with anything, right? But especially when we're talking about this specific topic. Um, so if you are going through this, you are certainly not alone. Many of us have felt this way. Some of us have made it to the other side, um, but that was not without a lot of like trials um, and a lot of, of really big challenges. So um, it is possible, but you have to stay, like, say, okay, if this is really what I want. These are my expressed goals. Like I want to add in flexibility. I want to be balanced. All of this, well, buckle up. It's not going to be easy, but you can get there and just stay focused on that. Yeah, this is a really good talk. And for anyone who wants to follow Lauren, if you're not already, or get into contact with her, I'm going to leave her information down below. And then um, hopefully you guys can get more information on the app too, which I'm excited to hear more about. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on for the third time. This is so great. And um, yeah, if you guys have any questions, you can shoot me an email. All my information will be below. Um, yeah, I hope you guys got a lot out of this. Thanks again. Okay, so we should, let me find the pause. Here on Beyond the Bikini, we talk a lot about training and nutrition. Trust me, it can be challenging to hit your fitness goals on your own. There is so much out there when it comes to working out, hitting your nutrition, and finding the plan that's right for you and your goals. Now, one thing that can make that a lot easier is hiring a coach and getting support towards your goals. I'm happy to say that I do offer online health and fitness coaching. I have plans that vary from support with training and nutrition and just your nutrition, and I even offer challenges throughout the year. If that sounds like something you're interested in, make sure you check out that description box down below. You can also find more details on my coaching services at NicoleFerrierFitness.com or even on Instagram at NicoleFerrierFitness. All right, now back to the episode.